if I do a good job, you know, then it's, it's all my mom. It's my mom's fault. If I do a bad job, it's all shame. So that's the truth. That's the gospel truth. He's a bad influence, but I still love him. Some of y'all know, you know, you know him. Um, before, <laughs> before I really get into the word, I do want to say one thing about you sowing into our ministry, sowing into our lives very personally, um, and sowing into, I would say, even the lives of the four folks that we brought with us. Man, I'm, I'm going to preach about obvious, God's obvious power. And the folks that loaded the bus up and came with us tonight are just four stories of just obvious redemption, if I could just go into detail. When I looked at who God had sent with us tonight, I thought, wow, Jesus, you just, you got real specific on us, didn't you? You know, but you even just recently in the last couple of weeks, right before we left for, for Gulf Shores, we replaced the air conditioner in our fellowship hall. You helped with that. You, you, you gave and, and helped to get that done. You don't know how much it has blessed us already. If there is one thing that will make you just thank God, it is air conditioning when you haven't had it. I mean, if you go without AC, it, it's, it's kind of like when you're sick for a while and you're the whole time thinking, God, if I just get well, I'll thank you for the rest of my life for my health, you know, and it was that way with, with that AC. We were dying, and so thank God that you helped. You stepped in. Not only that, I've, we recently did ministry with some of you guys at Amp Camp. I feel like we've been tied together in ministry for a long time now, and so a, a lot of the harvest that we are reaping, we're seeing it just be intertwined. That's the best way to do God's work. That's the best way to to advance in his kingdom is to do it together and not just per not just per church local church family but the church at large and we are seeing him do great things through one another and I love that I love that about you we love you so much and enough of that I'm just about to get to preaching to you but I feel like I should tell you how much that I love you I've been in great company here with all the different ministers and Man, I, I always say, oh, Dr. Brassfield. I got to preach with Dr. Brassfield because he's such a giant in the faith. And, and Ronnie Freeman, of course, he's my pastor. Pastor Brown's my pastor. And then Floyd McDonald, I will be here with bells on tomorrow, front row seat, hoping he spits on me. He's a spit. You just think I'm going to look calm compared to that man tomorrow. He might just run across the back of the chairs, and I'm probably not going to do that. Even though during that last song, I was like, I could run. I could run right now, but then people would be scared and I wouldn't be able to finish my sermon. So I got to get on it. You know, this, this sermon title is obvious. That's the name. Phil asked me what it was and we had like a who's on first moment because the name of the sermon is obvious. And of course, Phil loved that where he could be like, obvious, what's obvious? <laughs> the sermon, the title of the sermon is obvious. And we're, we're going to look in Ephesians mostly. I love I love the book of Ephesians. It's kind of like Colossians. Paul didn't have to do a lot of correction in those books. He just got to preach. He had to be the most fulfilled preacher. I understand that. There are sermons where you got to bring correction and teaching and right a few wrongs, and it's got to be done in the church. But then there are sermons where you just get to grab hold of the microphone, kind of like when you're a pastor, but then you get to be an evangelist for one night, and it's just the funnest thing ever. And you just get to preach. And Ephesians is one of those books where Paul just preached and talked about the goodness of God and the glory of God, and he used words like manifest and inheritance and made known. And what he was telling us is there is a glory that we receive that makes God's gifts obvious to the rest of the world. And that's how life should be lived. 
And so we're going to look at three ways that we can be obvious. There are supernatural mysteries that God will reveal to us in such a natural way that we live out the glory of our inheritance in an obvious manner for the world. The world's deteriorating. The world's dying. I got news for you. It don't matter if we pick Trump. It don't matter if we pick Hillary. It don't matter if we pick somebody else that we ain't seen come on the horizon yet because the world is fading and dying and it will. But the church is becoming the glorious bride of Christ. And he is moving us from glory to glory. And I don't intend to deteriorate in any form or fashion. He doesn't intend for us to deteriorate in any form or fashion, but says my power at work in them will be more obvious as the day draws near. And folks will look to us and say, that is the church and something is different. And God must be real because I see him in them. And it says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8, this is where I'm going to start, and this is Paul speaking. And he says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable means we could not even look for them and find them. Even if we were good at looking, which I am, by the way. I'm a professional finder. Unlike the rest of my family, it can be laying on the bar and they come to, you've been there where you're in the car and you're like, just go and get, just go and get my phone. It's on the bar. And then they all, one comes out, I can't find it, it's not anywhere. Then the next person comes out, I can't find it, it's not anywhere. And then Jordan finally comes, he's like, they're right, it's not anywhere, I even looked. Then you walk in there and it's laying on the bar. I'm like, did you look, are you blind? And what he said was, even if you were good at looking, you could not find them. The verse is back there. Whoa, sorry. Sorry, Pastor Brown. I'm, I'm ADD. I'm going to bring it in. The unsearchable riches of Christ, verse 9. And to make all see, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. He said, I'm going to bring you all together and give you this mystery, something that nobody could ever find if they were even looking, but I'm just going to hand deliver it to you. That's revelation. That's what revelation is. It's something divine that cannot be given by any other means gained or acquired unless it is inspired by a divine and outside source, which by the way is creator God. And so he said to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. This tells me that when the glory of God shows up in my life, it shows up not just as a feel-good kind of tingle, and I love the feel-good kind of tingles, but we get something deep. If you just receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, oh, you're going deep, you're going deep. Get your scuba gear on because you're about to see stuff you ain't never seen before. And it says the manifold wisdom that has been hidden in God, so precious and so sacred that he waited on the righteousness of God to be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And when we stepped into faith, fellowship with Jesus we aligned ourselves with an inheritance that was so glorious in fact let me just get to that the glory of God I want to talk about it for just a minute before I get into the obvious things that we will live out manifold and unsearchable and mystery that stuff is already glorious but it's not obvious without Jesus he said in Isaiah 6 the prophet said the whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord that's a good thing the earth is full of it it's everywhere we ought to be able to see it right but you can't 
not with the naked eye, not with the naked spiritual eye. Then in Habakkuk 2 and 14, it said, the earth will be filled not just with the glory, but with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. I like that better. Sounds more like it. I don't just want to know that there's chocolate cake in this building. I want to know where the chocolate cake is in this building. And if I just know it and I don't know where it is, then I'm frustrated. But John 1 and 14 says that he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory getting closer. So now I don't just know there's chocolate cake. Somebody didn't just tell me where it was. They put it in front of me. I like that. That's good. Where's the fork? Fork's coming. He didn't just dwell among us and we beheld his glory, but let's go back to Ephesians. It says in verse 17, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He gives us a spirit to know him. Those unsearchable riches, he doesn't just give you a glimpse of it, but puts a spirit in you that is the Holy Spirit. That's why we want to be walking in him, living in him, breathing in him, baptized in him every single day to know it, to understand it. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. I have hope. Because the glory of God didn't just float around me where I could go, oh, looks so good. But somebody gave me a fork and said, eat as much as you can. And so it says, I got to get back there. I preached right away from my verse. Which he, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards those who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and ISIS and Allah and everything else that would raise itself, addiction and depression and everything else that would come up and try to raise up a standard against the glory of God and then he said every name that is named not only in this age but in the age that is to come we didn't just go from glory to the knowledge of the glory to beholding the glory but to the glory in us that is the hope of our calling and we better live it like it's obvious because the devil's doing his best to hide it and God didn't intend for it to be hidden. It's sacred and precious and mysterious and supernatural. But God said, I will make you the spirit, the Holy Spirit's vessel so that you can be the obvious, obvious place of manifestation of my goodness and my power and my glory and my inheritance. We were driving home. From, from somewhere far away. And we'd been listening to black gospel. Yeah! And there was this part in the song where they're like, tour the veil, tour the veil, tour the veil, tour the veil. That's how black gospel goes. Like guys sing, then the girls sing. And so finally Rustin said, this veil must have been important because they keep talking about it getting torn up. Oh Lord. I'm like, Lord, you just gave me a moment. I turned, I'm like, Rustin, let me tell you about the veil. Let me tell you about the veil. The veil hid where the glory was. The hidden mystery. And we found it. Because Jesus is my keeper. And he tethered me to his heart. And said, I'm the priest. The high priest. The ultimate priest. And the first fruit among many brethren. And I'm going to walk you back here. And I'm going to show you why it was so important 
that the veil be rent in two so that you could carry my glory and my glory would be made obvious among the nations. And we are in this time, church. We are in the time when Ephesians is going to be lived out in us and where the glory of God is going to be obvious. But we have to remember and understand that it is a supernatural and a spiritual thing that cannot be attained by any other means than just the absolute undiluted truth of the presence of the living God without any interference of our own will, our own agenda, and our own timetable. It's time for us, I intend for there to be a prayer meeting after a while because we have spent so long saying, God, I want revival, but I got to get going quick. God, I want you to be obvious in me, but if you can just get it done between these hours. And it's going to have to get to a point where we lay on our face in front of him and say, I know that there is something good beyond that veil. And I know that I ain't been satisfied yet. So you must want me to step a little farther. And I'm done circling the buffet and walking out with an empty plate. And it's about time for me just to load up and get everything you've got so that I can walk out of this building and be obvious and there are three ways that we need to be obvious in him the manifold wisdom the riches the hope of our calling three ways that we can see it in real life that we can live it out in real life because I understand that I might as well have organ music going it's in my head going on right now you know I understand that the preaching is fun and you hear that stuff and you're like oh manifold yes Manifold wisdom, inheritance, glory. Oh, yeah. But we also have to look at what does it look like for me? What does it look like when I walk out, when I walk outside, when I got the road rage? I was driving with the road rage on the way here. I had my girls with their, look at them nodding. So you don't have to nod so hard. I, they, I, they got in the car and I said, fine, but you got to be spiritual because I got to pray. This is prayer time. This, I'm about to preach. And then we got behind a log truck and I'm like, and Jersey's in the front seat. She's looking over at me like, I don't know how this is going to go. And she's like, Jesus, help us not to die. Oh, Lord, keep us a car length away. And then Paige, not Paige, she's like, I ain't scared. I rode with my mom. You should drive with my mom. <laughs> don't you like that when your children tell on you? And, but, but still, able through the road rage, through the frustration, through the vacation that we had to recover from, through everything else, I need God to show up in real life and make not just himself obvious to me, but me obvious to the world. Because sometimes they ain't looking straight up. They're looking this way. And they need to see him in me first before they'll even give heaven a shot. And so we've got to know how does that happen how do I apply the goosebumps to the pavement because until we figure it out then we are wasting not wasting but we are almost wasting time sorry I ain't got anything better so I just gotta go gotta go with it. wasting some time at least I'm sorry three three ways we got to make him obvious are through our opposition and who what Yes, our position and our mission. First of all, God's glory is going to be obvious in our opposition. And you're going to like it, I promise. It's not bad, it's not scary. He's there anyway, okay? The devil's real, he's real. If I didn't preach about him, he would still be real. 
And so God triumphed over him and in that sense made, him, made, made himself obvious through him. Through us, he's going to illuminate this part of the mystery. Our enemy's agenda and his ideology. Satan's disguises and lies will be made obvious when the believer begins to live out the goodness of God and the manifest glory of God and his spirit. We, when you begin to show up to a place... And things begin to get awkward and uncomfortable, not because you have some social inadequacies, but because there is a spirit there that just cannot jive with the spirit of God in you. You will know that obvious is happening. That may not be accurate grammar, but you all get what I'm saying. In Ephesians 5 and 11, he said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. I'm not out on a witch hunt or a devil hunt, and I'm sure not going to just because the bolt falls off of my tire on the way to vacation and the brake light goes, and Deanna and Nick have to come and swap me vehicles before. I'm not going to say, oh, the devil is out to ruin me. I have just been attacked by him, by the roaring lion. Or every time I get a sniffle, say, oh, dear, the devil's about to get me down in the dumps. No. No, we can go so far with it that we turn those trivial things that are just a part of living life over to him and glorify him. I'm not talking about glorifying my enemy. He ain't glor. No, there's nothing worthy of my attention, my glory, or my praise, there, or, or any sort of gratification that I can give to him. Nothing. He is nothing. But at the same time, for me to realize with spiritual discernment that there is a spirit at work here, and I'm not warring against the flesh, but this is a spiritual thing. Thing and it's defeated. There is a spiritual battle and we've won that one. The enemy is working here and he's useless. It says expose the, let me go back to it, unfruitful works of darkness. Unfruitful, not fruitful. You can try devil, but it ain't gonna work. I, I brought Paige along with me. Sorry, Paige, I'm talking about you. I brought Paige along with me. And there have been so many times that we have dug our knees in the carpet in front of that altar and said, he can try, Jesus, but you've already bought her. He can try to bring the spirit of an orphan, but you've already called her a daughter. He can try to pull her back into that poor, pauper, peasant spirit, but you already made her rich. So it's unfruitful. But it's time for us to see it for what it is and not just always say, I hope you'll feel better. Now, there's got to be a time and place. Sometimes in the grocery store, I want to say, oh, the devil Come on, just come to church. Let me just pray for you right now. Just we'll get the oil. We will, you know, some to, you've got to do it in the appropriate manner. But when there are times that you can call down imaginations and vain ideologies, then don't just say bless your heart. Even if you have to under your breath and in your spirit begin to cast them out, we got to give God a little more credit through our intercessory prayers and say, he told me to call them out. He told me to expose them. And he said that they're defeated. I got to get to that verse too. He said, by the way, Jesus himself, when he prayed for us, said, I don't pray that you'll take them out, but that you'll keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, and I'm not of the world. Then he said this, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We're going to go into this conflict that is the world, this chaos that is this world, this opposition, opposition to the agenda and the promise and the plan of God. That is the cursed world. And we're going to carry a beacon 
that is way more powerful than anything we could light ourselves. It was lit by the flame of the Holy Spirit, and it is the truth of God. And when I can look at a 14-year-old girl and say, God called you to something great, and I know that he's got the means to back it, then that's a fight that I want to fight, buddy. Give me some gloves. I'm ready. I'm ready to do battle, and we've got to be ready to do it. But you better be full of the Holy Ghost. You better be full of the Holy Ghost to do it. And that's why he said, I'm going to be obvious. When you're full of the Holy Spirit and you walk in to that stronghold and you begin to speak against it and pray against it, then you better believe that when the power of the Holy One shows up, he's going to be made obvious there. And we've got, to, we've got to do it in the right spirit. Sometimes, you know, my kids, I tell them, just pray. Just pray when they fight. When that, sometimes you just get tired, you know, and that's like, just pray, all right? I, I can't even counsel you right now. You just need Jesus. And, and they get there and they say, oh, Lord, this is Carly. You need to touch Rustin. Touch him. He's mean and horrible. And he has had two turns on Subway Surfer, and I have had none. Take the spirit of greed from it. I mean, that's how it goes with them. And, and I'm like, I'm going to put the spirit of whooping on you, child. Because that is where we get sometimes where we forget that we aren't struggling with the person. We aren't struggling with, the, with, that, with that flesh and bone. But rather we're speaking against the spirit, against an enemy. Facebook would be a whole lot nicer if we could remember that. Or else just keep your mouth shut. Don't get on there past 10 o'clock. Bad things happen. Bad things happen on Facebook, Pastor. And when you're upset, when you're upset, that's the time not to do it. But we, get, we sometimes stir the pot, stir the water, speak things that should never be spoken, burn bridges that should never be burned, and to link up arm in arm with the opposition. And instead of exposing the, the fruitless works of the enemy, we instead give him seed to sow. It's useless. It's vain. We've got to learn to discern and to pray and to speak in the supernatural and spirit world with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. That's where the manifold wisdom of God comes. We're not playing patty cake with this devil. We're in the middle of a great romance and we're supposed to be used to woo the world into the kingdom of God and it's only going to be done with his manifold wisdom because we're too dumb to see straight in our flesh. But when we can go and do war with our opposition, with the love and the wisdom of God, then he's going to be made obvious to us. Opposition makes obvious the work of our enemy and it reveals to the world that Satan's defeated because then they're open to look at our position. This is a good one. This is the good point. This is a fun point right here. Our position. We forget our position sometimes. And let me just go to Ephesians again and look at it. It says that, he was seated far, this is in 1 and 21, I've already read it, but I want to do it again, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. He said something similar in Colossians. I want to go to that verse real quick before I get to preach in Colossians 2 and 14. It says that he's wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, by the way. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. This is where 
when you know your position and when you know he disarmed, by the way, back to that fruitless deeds, he disarmed principalities and powers, didn't just give them a sucker punch to the jaw to make them bruise for a while, but he said, I'm going to take away your ammunition. They do not have any sort of ammunition. They're shooting blanks. He disarmed them. My position is protected. My position is preserved. My position is purposed. And I know it. We, while we were on the beach, this was so fun. This was the coolest thing. Jordan was out in the ocean trying to get killed by a shark. And I was trying to get the, my, the sun on. And this tour bus of non-English speaking men comes running on the beach. And they're all, I don't know, it's like Swahili or something. I don't know. They were, it, the, y'all know Baraz, it was a whole bunch of Barazes. And they just had like, woo, the joy of the Lord all over them. I don't know what they said, but I know they love Jesus. And then here, they're running, about to get in the surf. They laid on the sand for a minute first. And then they rolled out into the surf. And Jace just sweeps up in the middle of them. He just gets in the middle of them. He's like, yeah, woo. You know, he's floating on his float. He's like, ha, 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 ha. I look out there. I see all this laughter. Jace is out there in the middle of them, just having a hootenanny old time. Like, woo, yeah. And I, I don't know if this is true or not. But I believe that somewhere in his spirit, he could maybe discern that the spirit of God was awakened alive in them because Jordan gets up on the shore and he's like, those men were full of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you right now. I didn't even have to speak the same language as them to know this is fun. This is fun to watch. I want to get on the bus with them. I don't care if we're contemporary or, or traditional or, or, or if we need to be like the, the cool church or the not cool church or the super Pentecostal church or the not super Pentecostal church. That stuff makes me tired. But what I care about is that we know our position and that we remember that he took the handwriting that was against you. Yeah, there was an order made against you. Yes, you're right. A ticket was made that was contrary to the ticket of God for your life. And he took it and nailed it to the cross. And that's why for me the cross isn't brokenness, but it's redemption and wholeness and a brand new position. I'm a little higher. I can see a little better. I can speak a little more clearly. I can understand things because I have the mind of Christ. And while the God of this age has has veiled the minds of unbelievers, for us the veil has been taken away and we can look at our situation and say, this might be right now, but it's not forever. This might look bleak, but it's not bleak this might look broken but it's not broken have you ever had that moment in your life when somebody came up to you and you couldn't see it and they said you're all right and you're going to be all right and it may have been for me I know it was one of the one of the periods in my life that shaped me more than anything else because sometimes our position gets hard to see But when you're linked up to the body of believers that's living out the obvious glory of God, then they can come to you and give you a word and say, right now is not all right. It's not. And Jesus would tell you that himself. But you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And this is just a snake without a head. This is a gun shooting a blank. This is a swing without any punch to it. This is something that's going to go in the name of Jesus. And the testimony that will come from it will be so obvious that people will say, for you to be in this position from where you were at had to be a God thing. Because I know that there were principalities and powers working against you. And we need it in our life. We've got to see it in Ephesians 6 and 10. That's why he said, be 
strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles is another word that insinuates fruitlessness. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Take up the whole armor of God. And I know half of you have probably memorized this verse, that you can withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. If there was ever a time when we needed to be suited up, it's now. If there was ever a time when we needed to be ready and powered up and full of the glory of God, it's now. He didn't just give the glory to to certain and to few and to elect. I love and appreciate it and part of the fivefold ministry of the church, absolutely. But he said that we are a chosen people and a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests, not just one, not just a few, not just the one on TV or the one holding the microphone. They're not in a high and lofty position where the devil can't touch them and he gets to mess with everybody else. He don't get to mess with anybody, period. That's where we're at. And it's not obvious enough in the church today. And I've got to tell you that when we got to Shirley and I saw what I can only call devastation, when we got there and I saw the devastation that had, that had hit that place, and you got to know, if you ever went to Fairfield Bay in, in, the, in the 90s, and maybe if you've ever only gone to the resort area of Fairfield Bay, Arkansas, and seen the golf course and everything beautiful and the swimming pools and everything else, then you know that's a good place to be but then we drove down a place called chalet circle and i was like take me home to my mom (laughs) i don't i can't do this i ain't even cut out for this and then when we started to meet up with opposition from from just the devil from from the coven that's there there is a coven in shirley arkansas they are practicing and they, they are, their kids are a part of our church ministry. And when I began to see all of that, then I felt like my position went from, woo, to, woo, don't let them hear. They might do something crazy. That's where I was at. Just fear. Fear can grip you when you forget. Fear can grip you when you forget all of these truths. That's why we need times like this. That's why we need altars like this. That's why we need songs like what you just sang. That's not empty words. My word, that's a declaration. That's why we need to get together and declare and say, I'm going to drive. I'm going to drive down that broken and empty place. And here's what I didn't know was that one day, I'd have a kid from there living in my house and she'd be telling everybody else how good Jesus was to her. And I didn't know that I'd bring kids to amp camp and they'd get saved and baptized and hungry for the Holy Ghost. I didn't know those things and I couldn't know and God didn't need me to know because he had given me a position and that was good enough. God doesn't need you to know everything. He gave you a position and he's gonna make himself obvious right there and that position is victory and that position is glory and that position is fruitfulness. We contrast the enemy, fruitless, his wiles. We are fruitful and abundant and fulfilled. And we better remember it because the world's looking for something. They're thirsty, they're hungry, and they're looking for something and they're getting desperate and they're getting fearful. And you know what? God's gonna take that fear and he's gonna take that chaos and that confusion and it is only going to make the light shine even more bright. He's the light that shines in the darkest places. And as long as I'm a part of that, I'm gonna be doing something fun. 
I don't know where this country will go. I don't know where the state of the church will go. I don't know whether being a pastor is going to be that fun of a thing, fun of a thing to be for much longer. But I know that a spirit-filled, Jesus-loving, truth-talking believer is always going to have a purpose and a fulfillment and a good God to follow after. And we're going to see that our position is something that is sacred and can't be taken away by anybody but our own self if we give it up. And we don't have to. We put on the armor every day. The obvious, the obvious position that we are in reveals to the world that we're victorious. It's not enough for our adversary to be defeated. I see that a lot. There, I see it every day. You see it every day. You see people bound by addiction, bound by brokenness. Whoa, sorry, I got a little odd in the mic. We, we see people that are messed up by the curse. And we from the outside can say, Jesus beat that. Jesus beat that. He beat that for you, but yet they're not victorious. Yet they're not walking in the life of victory. It's not enough for him to be defeated. You have to partner with the victor to get to wear his crown. It's not enough. And then he allows us to take on the whole armor, to, to, to put on the crown, to walk in that place of being, being an heir, a co-heir with Christ. And it's time that we start to yearn and even grieve at times for the world to walk in their inheritance and for the world to walk in the calling that God has had for them. That's what drives you to the highways and byways. That's what drives you out of the pew and into the altar. That's what brings a substance to your prayer when you start to say, God, my position is so sacred and so good. I want everybody to have it. I want them to be here. We've got to understand it fully to be able to carry that calling, the hope. In Ephesians, he said it's the hope of this calling. I don't just walk just with my own personal fulfillment and purpose. I carry something sacred and precious it's a commodity that the world can't give they can't sell it they can't manufacture it they can't create it there's no slogan there's no campaign speech there's no ideology there's no platform there's nothing that can give the hope of christ but his church and we're not going away and we're not diminishing but we're moving from glory to glory. Not only do we have our, our position and our opposition and they are to be made obvious, but our mission. Not only is our enemy defeated and we are victorious, but the world is affected. The world is affected. Salt and light. He, Paul said of himself in Ephesians 3 that his mission was to make all see. What will your day look like in the morning if you wake up and you say, my mission and my purpose is to make all see the manifold wisdom, the riches, the fullness, the glory of God. Could you dare do that without asking him for his spirit to be awake and alive in your life? Driving us to our prayer closet is going to be the mission. Driving us into revival. Bringing us to a place where we say, I have been revived or I need revived. I just need, I just need some folks to say, I need revived, all right? I worry about getting them revived when they say they need revived. I need them to get there first, right? That's, what, that's where a lot, of, a lot of the church at large is at, where they're like, I'm good. 
There's this country song, I don't even know how it goes, but I've heard it before that says, that's what I love about Sundays. And then it's like a bunch of random stuff, like maybe sitting on a porch swing, lemonade, tea, grandma's house, I don't know. There's, there's just a bunch of those, those Southern, sweet Southern traditions. But when we can fully understand our mission and our position and our opposition, and it almost works back, better backwards, right? Then we start to understand that Sunday's a time when we're suiting up. And then Monday morning's a time when I'm suiting up. And Monday at noon, or maybe later. If you got three kids, it's like Monday at seven and then 7.01 and then 7.02 and 7.03, 7.04. I take a water break at 7.05, and eight. You know, that's just, that's just how it goes. That we can become so dependent on the Holy Spirit. Paul, how many times did he say, he has to become more. I have to become less. This is the real deal. Being obvious is the real deal. This is our calling as a church. And our mission is completely dependent on the, on the filling of the Holy Spirit. Completely dependent on us being equipped and enabled by a source that is outside of us. Because in my flesh I forget my position in my flesh I miss my opposition and mistake it just for something that annoyed me and I'm just going to stay mad for a while where when I can just remember that that is a vain thought it's an ideology that just lifted itself as a standard against the knowledge of the most high God and I need to bring it into obedience because I got the mind of Christ when we can think like that that's not being super spiritual it's not being high and mighty it's being Christian and I'm, I, honestly, it's time for us, not just as a charismatic church, but especially as a charismatic church, to remember and return to what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because what it means is I need him every hour. Every hour I need him. And I need not just, not just his name. How dare I just take his name and try to do his mission. What Paul was doing was encouraging his church to be worthy of the name of Jesus and not by their own effort, but by the effort of the Spirit, by the, by the not just effort, but accomplishment of the Spirit that's made available to us. He says, not only in Ephesians 3, but in Ephesians 1, the riches of his glory are the hope of our calling. We're going to be a church without hope when we're a church without the glory of God. It's not just good for attendance. It's not just good to make it easier on worship. Now, when you start to get, woo, glory, yeah, that makes it easier for, for, for Shane and for Emily. She's like, yes, yes, it does. You bet it does. But it's not just good for that. If we're going to be the hope of the world, then we have to understand the glory of God. And the only way that we can do it, let me just go back to it is when it says, in Christ, in Ephesians 1, I want to go there, 20, in Christ, he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Our mission, our position, the defeat of our opposition is in a higher place. It's a supernatural thing. It's the working of the Holy Spirit within us. And when we find it, when we walk in it, and when we live in it, we are obvious for heaven's sake, not just obvious. Deanna, Deanna Wilson, if you know that girl, I don't know if she's in here, she's about obvious, all right? If you wanna know what she's thinking, look at her face at all times. It's a, it's, it's a gift and a curse. A gift for me, a curse for her, because she never could hide one single thing from me or mother or anyone else, anyone else. I don't even think she's in here when I'm reaming her out right now. Oh, she is. 
I'm talking about you being obvious and I don't even see you on the second row. That's ironic. You know, but it's something that you can look at the girl and you just know she's irritated. She's happy. She's, she's hungry. She's hangry. Hungry and angry. I'm that all the time. You can know those things just by looking at her. God wants, not just I want, boy, I want it too. God wants us to be so on mission for him that the world looks at us and they could even say, I don't even speak the same language as that person. And I know they're full of the Holy Ghost. I don't even go to the same church as that person and I know they love Jesus. I haven't even spoken and that can happen. It can happen. We see that the disciples would pass over people and their shadow, their touch, their prayer, their voice, their word would bring in the glory of heaven. You know why? Because those men didn't carry it by their own effort. If they had carried it by human effort, then it would have dropped, dropped at, their first, at their first mistake, their first falter, their first misstep, their first time they got distracted by the verse on the back screen. Thank God that he works in spite of this ADD, super sweaty woman who just came, went on vacation with three children and drove them here with a case of road rage. Thank God that he can still say, I got a mission for you and I got a purpose for you. And in your weakness, my power is completed. That doesn't mean I wasn't on my face this morning saying, Jesus, take it. You got to take it, Jesus. That doesn't mean that every night when we came in and sat down and they were fighting over who got the turn with the Xbox, that I wasn't saying, oh God, you're gonna have to give me revelation. You're gonna have to, and patience. Revelation and patience or make me deaf for a while. That's, it doesn't mean that those things weren't happening. You cry out to God in your weakness. You come to God in your brokenness. You walk to him in your confusion. You follow him even in your doubt. Even in your hesitancy, even when it's, but I don't want to. Well, get over it and go anyway. Go. You have a mission. You're in a position that is valuable to the kingdom and to the world. Not just to you. Sometimes it ain't about you. And that's why God said, I'm going to be obvious. You don't need to be obvious. I feel like that's what he's looking at me all the time. Like, you do not need to be obvious. I can't take you anywhere. And so instead he like covers me with his Holy Spirit. He just slathers it on me. Like they don't need to see none of you. None, none, none. You know, he's like, here's an extra dose. I feel like that's where we're at. And he's like, I want them to see me. You know, just not that. And that's what he does. He covers us in his spirit. And we, I'm telling you, I never thought I'd be a friends with a hippie in my lifetime. I never thought that would happen. Is it okay to say hippie? I don't know if that's offensive to or not or politically correct. I'm friends with hippies and they wouldn't care for me to say it. I, someone said they were a hippie. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm friends with them. They, they, but, but I never would have thought in my life that I would have the group of friends that I have right now. And I'm just gonna tell you this, it will blow your mind, it blows my mind, it just makes me so excited. They love Jesus, <laughs> they love Jesus. They, they're seeking the power of the Holy Spirit and they're looking at the Bible and sometimes saying, this is hard for me. This doesn't match the worldview that I was taught, but if the Bible says it, it's right. When the Holy Spirit's working in somebody, you can have those hard conversations. When you're missional every single day and you let him cover you with his spirit, you can have those conversations. And I don't have to be afraid. I'm a, I'm a super conservative girl. 
raised conservative, will always be conservative. I don't got to be afraid of sitting beside a liberal because I'm pretty sure that the Holy Spirit will work and use me and speak through me. I'm not a diehard Razorback fan. Ooh, hmm. sorry. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not. Come on, they haven't been good in so long. I don't care to sit beside a diehard Razorback fan in the restaurant. It's gonna be all right. I don't care to sit beside somebody that openly contrasts the way that I think and not and have no hope for them. We've got to stop looking at the world and saying they are Muslim. I have no hope for them. They're not worshiping my God right now. They still think that it's okay to live a lifestyle that is contrary to the word of God. I cannot minister to them. The Holy Spirit sought out the sinner and sought out the tax collector and was very missional about a world that was not attractive to the beauty of the gospel. And it didn't line up. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and even sometimes his disciples looked and said, what are you doing? Messing up our image like that. But when we're covered and full of the Holy Spirit and we walk on mission and we carry the obvious power of God, number one, I'm not worried about the truth that I have in my heart being deluded or being, or being perverted by the lies that they believe at this point. Number two, I'm not worried about them being offended because the true and authentic power of God may offend the flesh to affect the spirit. But when he plants a seed in a spirit, I'm just going to say, grow, Jesus, grow and bring them back to my house. I wish you could meet my mail carrier. She's my best friend. She ain't my best friend, but she's in my top five. We have some fun conversations. The first two years, this girl, every time she drove by, by, oh God, I find that spirit that's in that car oh so religious you know sometimes you get that way and that's all right God's patient with us too you know and I just think oh kids don't go out there right now she's driving by don't go out there she's playing that music again her music is loud man she's playing that music again I have to call her supervisor and then one day God forced me to talk to her forced me that's what it was because I was pulling weeds and I'm not a fast runner and we live on a hill. And I was taking care of the azalea and didn't hear her music because she, she, for some reason, didn't have it playing that day. And I look up and I'm like, oh dear. And we just started just some conversation. It was a God moment. It was such a God moment. Next day out there at the same time, I gave up. It was over at that point. I'd already spoken to her. It was done. Time to start talking now. Next day, a little longer. She started getting there a little bit earlier. Now sometimes Jordan's like, good grief. How's she going to get her mail delivered? Let her go. And you know what she says every time? My kids, I want them to come to church. You got a bus going. You got a bus running. You know what? I'm going to come to your church. I'm going to try it. As of this point, she's a professed atheist, but believe me, next time I come and preach to you, I'm going to be like, that girl came to church. I'm telling you that when we are missional, when we are purposed, when we are carrying the glory of God, then we can live and walk without fear and minister without reservation and hesitation. And sometimes he'll set you up and you just go with it and you wait and learn from this crazy preacher and say, I bet God's got something for me in that moment of my hesitation. And when you'll just follow, he will patiently lead and use you for his purpose, not just, not just this respectable man and his daughter. By the way, I could use you too, John of the faith. Not just by these res- 
respectable folks sitting in the front row. That, that the glory is not just reserved for them. The work is not just reserved for them. The mission and the job and the purpose and the obvious living is not just a calling for them, but for every single believer. And if the worship team would go ahead and come up with me, like I said, I want, oh, I just pray that we would have.